Hey everybody, it is Tuesday, May the 30th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 91 of Tone with the Slab, pitching with David Cohn. It is pitching talk every single week with the former Cy Young Award winner and the five-time World Series champ, David Cohn, the ace of research, James Smythe, myself, Justin Shackle, our incredible producer, Dan Rourke, with us as well. And I know we talk pitching here, but guys, I think we could cancel the All-Star game in Seattle this year because there, there is... Nothing spectacular left to see in that ballpark in 2023. Aaron Judge did it all for the New York Yankees on Monday night against the Mariners. Two home runs, one off Bryce Miller, and then he made one of the best home run robbing catches of Teoscar Hernandez that we have seen in recent times. So uh, a non-pitching question as we open up the show this week, what kind of season is Aaron Judge poised to have after he broke the American League home run record last year? It is amazing. I mean, you have to go back to really, I guess, the late 90s when McGuire and Sosa were going back-to-back 60s, you know, type home runs. He's just, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in that range again for Aaron Judge. He set the bar so high, and you expect a regression, right? Uh, I mean, James and I talk about this. You can't expect him to hit 62 again, right? There's no way. He's got to have a regression. Uh, wait, stop the presses on that one. Uh, he might go back-to-back 60, you know, at, at this point, and he's got that kind of talent. And the thing about Aaron Judge is, is that he's never satisfied. He continues to get better with his approach, his work ethic, the way he works on high-speed uh, velocity pitching machines. He continues to refine his program, both training and mechanically speaking. Uh, the guy is never satisfied. 17 home runs. He's got 11 in his last 15 games. And the only player with more home runs in the major leagues is Pete Alonso with 20. And Judge missed 10 games. Now, missing 10 games over the course of a, of a season might be just a blip, but we're you know only a third of the way through the season, so 10 games is a significant chunk. So it's amazing what Judge is doing, and he's got the – he does have a knack for some of these games where he hits a home run and then he robs a home run. So I think we could also end up in store for a big New York home run race. How great would it be if you had Pete Alonso with the Mets, Aaron Judge with the Yankees going back and forth atop the MLB leaderboard? That'd be dope. First uh, first version of the Subway Series is only coming up in a, in a couple of weeks So uh, at City Field. So Mets and the Yankees, Judge and Alonso, two big sluggers there in New York. How, how high is the wall in Seattle? Because his head was above the wall. It's like above the rim, right? I mean, it, yes. it was just incredible how high he really got. He's in, his, so his shoulder, the, the, I mean, his entire reach was over the wall. So, yeah. I mean – what is that right there? Two and a half feet alone? Yeah. I mean, that was a home yeah. run. It was a yes. home run. It was a yes. no doubter. It yeah. was going to bang off the uh, the iron railing above the yellow home run marker on the top of the wall. And he, he flat out robbed it, timed it perfectly. I'll tell you what, we were talking about it on the broadcast, Susan Waldman and I. Like, I, I think I'm more uh, – <laughs> I think I'm more baseball satiated by Aaron Judge's defense. I mean, the, the, the throws he makes, the rope-a-dope defense sometimes that he does to deke a runner to take second, and then plays like that, my gosh, incredible. Um, just incredible. And uh, Aaron Judge, a big reason why the Yankees are coming out of Memorial Day, 10 games above 500. And I think, David, as we open the show here, we look for the opener. Again, Memorial Day, good time to assess a couple of these divisions. Some of them have surprised us. What do you think? 
Yeah, it's signpost uh, time, you know, as James Smythe likes to say, you know, there's certain points in the season where you kind of look up. You always say the old cliches with baseball, it's a marathon, not a sprint. The long season, how many times you hear these cliches from managers and players and throughout the game. But this is a time where you kind of look up and see where you are. And we know about the American League East. It's just a beast this year. And the Tampa Bay Rays are for real. <clears throat> top, <clears throat> excuse me, top to bottom, their offense is just tremendous. The, the breadth and the depth of their offense is real. So, <clears throat> so, you know, that's something to watch. The rest of the, the rest of the, uh, the American League East battle is in Baltimore's for real as well. Uh, Boston's better than advertised. Toronto's underachieved at this point, but they're still very talented. So uh, continue to follow that. In the Central, obviously, Minnesota, it's bunched up around 500, so it's still up for grabs. We're waiting for the Guardians to make their their <clears throat> patented hot run in the second half. You know, I wouldn't count them out. Minnesota's got good pitching, good good uh, uh, bullpen, <clears throat> power bullpen, and Sonny Gray's just uh, having a Cy Young award-winning year. And then the American League West, the surprise Texas Rangers, maybe not a surprise to a lot of people, but, you know, Houston's always kind of the, <clears throat> the team you have to knock off. But, you know, Texas is the team that, that's really surprised in my mind. Well, yeah, in the National League, the Braves – have gotten off to this great start, kind of lost in uh, because of the Rays and the Rays being on pace for 113 wins this far into the season. But the Braves have been outstanding. The Marlins have surprised. They're they're a little bit above 500. Mets underachieving. We'll get into that with the Phillies in a little in a little bit. The Central, you know, same side of the coin with the AL Central up for grabs. You know, is 80, is 83 going to wins going to win this thing? Uh, you'll have that same situation in the National League Central. And uh, the Dodgers, the this was supposed to be a, a bit of a reset year, and you look up, and the Dodgers are are doing their Dodger thing, as always. And the biggest threat, not the underachieving Padres at this point, but how about the Diamondbacks at thirty one and twenty three? They're on pace for ninety three wins, and let's see if they can hang around. Wasn't this the year that the Dodgers were supposed to take a step back? Right, right. They still they just keep on keeping on, so. Something about the Dodgers you know, that they have a sustainable program out there, the way they built it and the farm system. And Bobby Miller is a beast. I mean, my goodness, what a great young pitcher. And, and we're going to get a chance to see him, Shaq, this weekend, probably, maybe even Sunday night on Sunday Night Baseball. And obviously you get the call on, on the radio side. So I'm anxious to see Bobby Miller throwing 100 miles an hour with a yacker, a pretty good curveball to go with it, kind of a, a slurvy curveball and a changeup as well. This guy's a complete pitcher already as a rookie. You're getting some of the young premier pitchers back-to-back weeks. Obviously, we know what Spencer Strider is uh, capable of here and the numbers he's putting up with the strikeout totals. But uh, Bobby Miller, going to take prime time, going to take center stage against the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball. That is definitely something that if you are a, a pitching fan, you're, you're foaming at the mouth at there with Bobby Miller and the Yankees. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of division races probably uh, have some – teams that we didn't expect to be there we thought some divisions were going to be crowded just not with some of the uh the teams that are involved i mean like in the western division like in the nl west thought it was going to be la san diego no san francisco's hanging around arizona is probably one of the top uh teams that has punched above its weight and they're sticking around and i think they are for real i think they're going to be there throughout most of the summer so uh, keep an eye on some of these teams. We'll revisit it, obviously, uh, at the next summer holiday. That's how this goes. But uh, we have a couple division questions that I want to run by uh, you guys as it pertains to uh, some teams in the National League. So let's start in the National League East. I think it's a good time because starting tonight, 
the Mets and the Phillies are meeting each other for their first head-to-head matchup of 2023. Uh, Hard to believe there. The Mets currently sitting in third place. The Phillies are in fourth, and they're three games under. They're behind second place Miami and, of course, the first place Braves. So we're a third of the way through here. Can either team hang with Atlanta throughout this race in 2023? Well, their their pitching suggests yes, uh, especially once they get going. Both both teams have dominant starting pitching at the top of their rotation. Uh, Wheeler had an unbelievable start his last time out. I mean, utterly dominant uh, through nine innings even. So, yeah, I mean, people were talking about – Maybe the best he's ever thrown the ball. And, of course, they also have Nola, too, as well. Aaron Nola at the top of the rotation. I think they're very similar teams, right? They have veterans at the top of their rotation. They have veterans in their bullpen as well. Um, can they can they defensively catch the ball? And can they sort of sustain offense? Can they get more offense other than just power uh, out of their games? And, uh, you know, to me, it's there are two teams that are never going to panic. The Mets and the Phillies both know that if they can just get to postseason, that they can play with anybody. And the Phillies learned that last year. They rode that sort of the momentum all the way to the World Series. I think the Mets feel the same way. Uh, can they catch the Braves? Uh, we'll see. As far as the division title goes, it's too soon to concede anything at this point. But I think both of those teams feel like, you know what? It's okay if we just get in the big dance because we have dominance at the top of our rotation and we can beat anybody on the, in any, any short series. I think for the Mets is the, the question throughout this whole season is going to be based on health. You know, what do you get out of Scherzer and Verlander is the team that you went into the spring with on paper going to be look, looking more like the team that you actually have as we really get into the meat of the season here, the Phillies, Trey Turner, not off to a great start in his first year with his new team, but he might be picking it up now in 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 recent games so as far as the Braves go I think it'll it'll say more about Atlanta you know if they run away and hide they run away and hide but the Mets and Phillies like you said Coney now with the especially with the expanded playoffs just get in I mean that could be a that could be a philosophy for anyone but particularly with these two teams because you go into a short series and we saw this with the Phillies last year they were they had a three-game set on the road in St. Louis boom they throw Wheeler and Nola at you and they're moving on so I think you could get that same thing with either them or if you get Scherzer and Verlander uh, as a one-two punch, even in a wild card series, maybe against each other in a, in a wild card round. That'd be sweet. It's going uh, to impact the draft too, as well. When you not only the draft coming up, but I mean uh, the trade deadline. When you think about the trade deadline, one of the best pitchers, you know, potentially out there is Erod Edwin Rodriguez with the Detroit Tigers. They're only two games out of first place in the central division. So yeah, it might be a tough trade deadline to try to find pitching because everybody's kind of still in it, or it's hard to sort of ascertain for organizations. Hey, should we go for it? Should we hang in there? You're going to have to blow some teams away to get a pitcher like Edwin, Edwin, uh, you know, Erod from, from Detroit. And not including like the, the underperforming divisions. I think, you know, it does serve certain teams to try and win their division for the postseason. I don't think the Mets and the Phillies are one of those teams, obviously, for the reason that you guys are talking about. I think, you know, they get in, they're automatically a threat because who each team has at the top of their rotation. So will they uh, will they hang with the Braves? Yeah, I think they will hang with them. Will they overthrow them? Uh, remains to be seen. I think what the Braves have done in terms of getting over 
their rotation adversity, dealing with all the injuries that they've had, that says something about them. Um, will will it continue? It could, and we'll see how they react. But I think uh, I think for the Mets and the Phillies, those are the two teams, and there's a couple of others around the sport. But really, when you think about the playoff picture, it's just win. I mean, win, get in, and you have a chance. Uh, in October because of who's at the top of your rotation, if they're there and if they're healthy and they're pitching effectively. More Tone the Slab is coming up, but up first, I really need to tell you about something that is really important. Trust me when I say this to all you men out there, you really need to be taking care of your skin if you are already not doing so. It goes without saying, uh, you obviously have to protect yourself from the sun, but just overall, your overall skin health, it is super important. And Caldera Lab is here to create high-performance men's skincare products. They do it by combining pharmaceutical-grade science along with nature's purest and most potent ingredients. Caldera Lab is backed by a leading clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experienced healthier and visibly improved skin. It has the tools to unlock your best first impression and boosts of confidence. The Regimen Bundle is a twice-a-day routine that will transform your skin. And inside the bundle, you're going to find the Clean Slate. It's a balancing cleanser that uses gentle plant-based cleansing. It's all natural. You have the base layer, which is nutrient-dense. It fortifies and hydrates your skin with a really powerful moisturizer. And then something that they call the good. It's their go-to at night before bed and clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as to help reduce visibly wrinkles and those fine lines that you get uh, right, right at the corner of your eyes, the crow's feet. You do not want some of that stuff. I believe, Trust me when I say this. Yeah, it takes some discipline, but once you fall into this routine, you're going to feel so much better about yourself. So if you want to take your skin to the next level, do it with Caldera Lab. Look no further also with the Icon. It's the rejuvenating eye serum here to address that those those three most common skin concerns around the eyes, like the one I was just talking about, the fine lines, the dark circles, the puffiness, the crow's feet. It takes care of all of that. Right now, get 20% off with our code SLAB at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com using the code SLAB, S-L-A-B. Unlock your youthful glow and be ready for summer with Caldera Lab. You mentioned the Tigers, David. Let's move over to the AL Central because – Sonny Gray pitched on Monday for the Twins, and Sonny Gray is having an excellent start to his season. He pitched against the Astros, six innings. He gave up three runs. Two were earned, though, uh, and he held Houston to only four hits. It actually raised his ERA to 1.94 on the season. He's the league's ERA leader. So, uh, one, where are the Twins without Sonny Gray in this AL Central? Wow, no, he he is certainly keeping them afloat, and he's he's win day, right? When you have an ace like Sonny Gray, the day he pitches is win day for you, for as an organization and as a team, and you feel it in the clubhouse. When you walk in the clubhouse, you know I've, I've had that feeling too. You know, and and on certain teams, when you you know who's who's pitching today, oh El Duque or you know Roger Clemens or somebody like that, you feel like you know, hey, th- this is our day. We're gonna win. Let's just get let's get him a run early, get him a little cushion early to work with, and then we'll take over this game. Uh, that's it. That's the way it is with Sonny Gray. The thing about Sonny Gray is, is he's figured it out. His formula. He's a six pitch pitcher, but it's really platoon oriented. 
against left-handed pitcher against left-handed batters he has three three specific pitches he throws and against right-handed batters he has three three specific pitches he throws and there's some crossover there but it's the sinker to right-handers the four-seamer in the lefties and that kind of fastball platoon specific approach really serves him well i think that's something we didn't see when he was with the yankees i think he was searching for that sort of information because that's the type of pitcher he is he's a very cerebral pitcher he wants to know his spin rates he wants to know his movement profile he wants to know the success rate the, uh, on lefties and righties so he has a definitive plan now on how i get left-handed batters out how i get right-handed batters out he's keeping the ball down on the on the ground all of his pitches have a launch angle opposing batters launch angle of under 10 degrees you know that that's how you pitch in today's game you keep the ball on the ground as much as you can you keep it out of the air you keep it in the ballpark Sonny Gray's got a formula that's really working for him right now Sonny's been unbelievable this year and you mentioned the uh how he's keeping the ball in the park well Sonny has pitched 60 in a third innings this season he has not given up a home run amazing in today's game and as far as where the twins would be I mean, they're hanging on for dear life as it is with Sonny. So who knows where they'd be without him? Uh, they're 28 and 26. It's a shame somebody has to be leading that division right now. Even the Tigers are hanging around. Hell, even the White Sox, 22 and 34. They're only seven games out. Maybe they can squint and say, hey, one big hot streak, and we're right back in this division. I was pleasantly surprised to see a lot of times you look at a split and you say, all right, here's the ace of the staff. You know, Sonny's got a 194 ERA, best in the major leagues among qualifiers. And a lot of times you'll see that the rest of the, the staff might have a four or five ERA. I was pleasantly surprised to see that the, the rest of the rotation has a three, six, three. And we've mentioned Joe Ryan before, and he's been amazing too. Maybe the best one, two punch in the game so far this season with gray and Ryan, Ryan, a two, two, one ERA fifth in the majors and props to Bailey Ober. He's uh he has a two, six, eight ERA and seven starts. He stepped in. They're missing Tyler Malley, but he stepped up in absence of, uh, the the better pitching from Pablo Lopez. He got off to such a great start this year. You say, wow, he really is a breakout pitcher. And he has an ERA over five and a half over his last seven starts. So he's taken a step back. Bailey Ober is taking a step up. And you have Gray and Ryan there atop the rotation. But Sonny Gray, one of the most valuable pitchers in the major leagues right now this year. That's, that's what makes it kind of disappointing. I mean, they have Gray and Joe Ryan having two really good seasons uh, and and both are probably going to go to the All-Star game uh, at this moment. And again, there's two games over 500 of the Twins uh, by the time we're recording this. Let's, uh, let's move over to the NL Central. St. Louis Cardinals were five games back in the division on Memorial Day. They're actually now five and a half back uh, to open play today when we're recording this. So, gentlemen, true, true or false here? Will the Cardinals be – well, I'm asking a question on a true and false. Here we go. Let's reset. True or false, the Cardinals will be in first place in the NL Central by July 4th. Uh, I, You know, I mean, if you look at the, their profile and if, if you believe in looking at the Pythagorean theorem, you know, they should be over 500 right now. They've scored more runs than they've given up. Now, with that being said, I think when you look moving forward – the problem is there's been a drop-off in defense, and then you have a starting rotation that really is contact-oriented, not a swing-and-miss guy, really, in their entire rotation. Up and down, they really rely on putting the ball in play, and they rely on their defense picking them up. 
their defense has had had uh, has taken a step back. Even though on the corners they have per- perennial Gold Glovers, right? You have Goldschmidt and Arenado, who are great, maybe Hall of Famers, both of them, both uh, offensively and defensively. But their outfield defense has really taken a step back. And I talked to Ali Marmo about this, and he really feels that not having Harrison Bader out there has hurt their metrics defensively. And if you look at any metric you want that measures defense, a lot of their downfall is in their outfield defense. Uh, and that is a direct result of not having a, a gold glover in center field. So that shows you how important Barry Bader is for the Yankees. And we'll get to that later in this podcast, but I'm not sure that combination works. You know, you have a fall off in defense, you have a contact oriented uh, starting rotation that worries me just a bit. Although the, I, I still believe that there's more to more to be had on the offensive side of things. Uh, Nolan Gorman has been, had a breakout year. Amazing. Uh, and Arenado has been coming on after a slow start. So I think they will score. It's going to be hard to pick up extra pitching at the trade deadline. I mentioned that before. So that, that's kind of the, the problem with the Cardinals figuring out their outfield defense. Do they want more offense? They can play Yepes and out in the outfield, but he's not really good defending defensively. So that's kind of the question for they have right now. Uh, they have sort of an offensive lineup and a defensive lineup and you know, which way are they going to go with it depending on what their output is offensively. Tony, you mentioned the outfield defense taking a step back. Well, they were plus two in outs above average, according to StatCast last year. And this year in the outfield, minus five, which is sixth worst in the major leagues on outfield defense. And I'm going to say false just because I am still a believer in the Milwaukee Brewers. They do have a little bit of a cushion. Maybe the Cardinals are the biggest threat to them for the rest of the season as far as who can challenge them for the division not so much Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, or the Cubs. Maybe the Cardinals do make a race. I, st- I still think, but by the time we get to July 4th, I think Milwaukee could still be there. But look out for the cards. They've been playing much better ball lately. And, Coney, you mentioned the uh, the Pythagorean record, which is based on run differential. They're at plus six for the season. They've scored six more runs than they've allowed. That leads the division. The Brewers... <laughs> The Brewers are actually at minus 21, believe it or not. It, it is more of a, of a damnation of the division rather than, you know, maybe uh, praising the cards or having a plus six run differential at this point of the season. But one thing that probably will turn around uh, one run games. And usually you see if you, there is a big disparity between a team's run differential and their record, you say, well, have they been underperforming in run run games? St. Louis is five and 11 in games decided by one run. And, Teams are usually within a few games of 500 this way or that way. So if you have a team that's a little lopsided like that, you say, okay, that'll that'll probably shake out uh, over the course of the season. They'll pick up a couple extra wins, and maybe we do get a race in the Central because, regardless of you know believing in the Brewers or not, I think that you know it's not gonna. You might be able to win this division with 83 or 85 wins. So I think we are gonna end up with a race. Well, let's hope the bar gets raised over the course of the summer so that uh, that win total rises uh, at least to the mid to upper 80s here. But I'm going to say true if you ask me. And, and I think if not, then they'll, I think they'll definitely be in, in second place closely behind the Brewers. Uh, only because, the, I don't want to say only, but I think they obviously have the talent to make that rise up in the division. But also if you take a look at their schedule in June, they have a three-week schedule in the month where they're mainly playing a mix of teams that – are floating around 500 and then a few other division opponents sprinkled in there. They have one three game set against the Rangers 
they also have back-to-back series against Houston and the Yankees at the very end of the month going into July 4th. But the bulk of their schedule in June leading up to July 4th, I think it's pretty favorable for them to make a run uh, up to the division. I didn't say, you know, if they're going to be in first place at the end of the year, I meant by July 4th. So uh, true, I think it's possible. Uh, Absolutely there for the taking. Won't take uh, other than than a couple of good weeks for any team in this division to uh, make some noise and potentially threat Milwaukee as it stands right now. Uh, All right, guys, let's look ahead to the weekend. A few big pitching matchups that just jump out at you off the page. On Friday, you have the Blue Jays and the Mets, and it's Chris Bassett opposed by Justin Verlander. On Friday in Los Angeles, you also have the Yankees and the Dodgers, and Luis Severino going up against Clayton Kershaw. And then on Sunday, it's the Braves and the Diamondbacks, and you have Bryce Elder against Zach Gallen. Which pitching matchup? Except you guys more. Wow. Yeah, that, that that's, you know, you have Chris Bassett facing his former team, the Mets, even though he's only there one year. He had a great year there. So in, against the Blue Jays, he'll, he'll get tested. Of course, Verlander, Hall of Famer, every time he pitches, you kind of wonder, you know, is he back all the way? And, and you, you sort of take inventory with Verlander. But I got to go with Kershaw and Seve. You know, and Severino is back. He's throwing the ball 100 miles an hour his last start. I mean, he looks different to me. I mean, he's all the way back. Uh, the, the Seve we saw. Pre-COVID, the Seve we saw when he was a Cy Young Award candidate in 2019. You go all the way back, 18, those years. Um, so that that's the one. Clayton Kershaw as well. I mean, the the best left-handed pitcher since Sandy Koufax in Dodgers history. Maybe the best left-handed starter in history. And you go down a rabbit hole, you look at, look at his numbers. Historically speaking, Clayton Kershaw, his career ERA, any number you want to look at, you, you, he is – really one of the most dominant starters that we've ever seen, certainly in the modern era. So, you know, that that's the one for me if I have to pick one, although I, I'll have an eye on Chris Bassett against that Blue Jay lineup and then how Justin Verlander works as well. And I'm a huge Zach Gallen fan too. When you look at Zach Gallen and Bryce Elder, if you're an old school craftsman and you like the art of pitching where guys add and subtract and hit their spots and really get into mix the mixing and matching of pitches, uh, that's a great game to watch. Bryce Elder, a 201 ERA. I don't know if the average fan would know that he's leading the National League in earned run average. He's had a great year. Uh, Atlanta has been challenged um, on the pitching front at times with injuries. And it's a credit to Elder to to get this going. And and Zach Gallen, you know, he's been one of the best pitchers in the National League over the last uh, bunch of years. But I think you can't go wrong with Kershaw against Severino also just gen- generally Yankees Dodgers being the marquee series of the weekend and Coney you mentioned how much better Severino looks he we know this guy when healthy when he's on the mound he's one of the best pitchers in baseball and it wasn't just the 2017 2018 if you look at his numbers even in the in the brief spurts that we've gotten to see him he's that same guy we just haven't seen him on the mound enough which has been disappointing but when he's out there now you say if he can put together a healthy season and not go back on the out, he'll give you another. He'll give you 20 starts for the season, which I think is is plenty, especially if he's around for a postseason push. And Kershaw, a 2.50 career ERA among all pitchers in the live ball era since 1920, who've pitched 2,500 innings or more in their career. Kershaw's 2.50 ERA is by far the best of any pitcher. 
Whitey Ford is next at 275. So he's got it by a full quarter of a run. And he's still going strong. And I know he might be going year to year uh, as he winds down his career. But he's as good as ever. And he's one of the best pitchers of all time. And he's still going strong, even at age 35, 35. And he's going to be pitching at Yankee Stadium, on a fr- uh, at Dodger Stadium on a Friday night. And I'm sure the crowd's going to be crazy, and it'll be a great series. I'm glad that the Severino-Kershaw game is the one yes game that we get for the weekend before Fox and ESPN take over on Saturday and Sunday. Oh, that's also true. The, the one the one game that's going to be on the yes network is going to have the, the premier pitching matchup. I can't believe, like, for, for me, like, Bassett against Verlander is is third on this list for me. And I think <laughs> I think Bryce Elder against Zach Gallon is like the closest one A to Severino Kershaw that I can imagine. I'm really going to be dialed in uh, before the Dodgers and uh, Yankees finale on Sunday night. I'm going to be watching that Braves D-backs game with Elder going up against Gallon. But for the reasons you guys mentioned, I mean Severino and Kershaw. I think that that pushes uh, obviously like. You know, Severino coming back, I know it's cliche saying things like, oh, let the beast eat, and, you know, he's he's ready to go. But that's like the kind of dude that Luis Severino is. He gets stronger uh, as he's going. We've seen that in the first two starts. Like David said, he's dialing it up to 100. He is extremely strong right now out of the gate as he makes his third start of the season. And for it to be center stage at Dodger Stadium in L.A., Yankees, Dodgers, all the pageantry that goes into that it's obviously what you know. Something that Major League Baseball uh, is all for this weekend, and you couldn't ask for a better pitching matchup right there. So, uh, yeah, it's Severino Kershaw for me as well. The the change of the. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline schedule this is what mlb had in mind by uh, decreasing the amount of divisional games facing the same the same four opponents for almost half your schedule toning that down to get more interleague matchups that way you're going to get yankees dodgers every year next year it's going to be dodgers yankees here in the here in new york and you will have every team visiting every team every other year at the very least so these kinds of matchups are what mlb is building around with this new schedule yep it's why we had, why we have Kershaw, Severino. It's why last weekend at Yankee Stadium you had Garrett Cole, you Darvish, and why you had Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto back in the Bronx. So uh, fewer division matchups uh, in exchange for some of these stars that you're going to see more often. I think, yeah, I think I'm going to take the latter here uh, with with these interleague matchups. Uh, we mentioned Garrett Cole here. He's going to be pitching Saturday at Dodger Stadium, the middle game of that series. This leads us into our, our Yankee chat here. Um, a lot of ways you could go. With Garrett Cole lately, he's uh, he's given up a lot of home runs. Something that he did last year. Uh, do you do you see anything in Garrett Cole and what he's doing on the mound, David, or is it a product of, uh, you know, I, don't, I I feel like this is a cop out, but like Jose Trevino is on the injured list. Garrett Cole didn't work with any other catcher other than Trevino at the time that Trevino went down. How much does that play a part in what we're seeing from Garrett Cole? 
You know, I think only Garrett can really answer that. Uh, you know, for me, actually, when he first started as a Yankee, uh, you know, or even during his early tenure as a Yankee, it was the other way around. It, it was it was almost Kyle Higashioka and him had sort of this rapport to S Southern California kids. They seemed to speak the same language. Uh, so the, there was a time when it was Higashioka was the guy. So that can ebb and flow. Um, Garrett Cole, for me, is probably the easiest guy to catch because he's a traditional four-seam pitches off his fastball style of starter. Uh, you, to me, it's it, he's one of the easier guys to call a king a game for. It's a matter of how good his fastball is on any given night, what the swings look like off of his fastball, and then his breaking ball command. And I think that's where it lies. There's a little bit of regression. You know, he wasn't going to go through the whole year giving up no home runs like he did his first several starts where he, you know, he almost reversed completely with the trend from last year. And then now there's a little bit of catching up going on. But I think it comes down to the breaking ball command with Garrett Cole. He, there's two different breaking balls. There's that knuckle curve and there's, there's that slider. And he uses them both. And they kind of uh, take turns being the leading lady, so to speak, on any given start on which one he's going to feature. And I think he's been kind of caught in between in, in his breaking balls in terms of command, the one he throws over and gets over for a strike, and the one he finishes with. And I think that's that's kind of you know what I look at with Garrett Cole is uh, how good is his breaking stuff? Which one is he using that night? As he, does he identify early which one he feels better about? And, you know, the, the, the great pitching coaching with, with Cleveland, Carl Willis, has been around forever, old school guy. And that's his big mantra. His big mantra is recognizing which one you got working that night and featuring it while you got it working. And maybe the other one will come along later in the game, whether it's your knuckle curve or your slider. But the identification of which one you have a feel for based on release point and spin and just feel and psychological effect, you know, that that's kind of been an issue. I think I've seen Garrett kind of bounce back and forth between his knuckle curve and his slider and kind of get caught in between on which one to use where. And, I, and to me, I don't know if a catcher solves that for him or not. Uh, he's got the ability to shake off, you know, a, but you, you never know. Only Garrett Cole could answer that question as far as, following the lead of a catcher and what, what the sick, what, which signals are being called. Going to you, you alluded to it with the, with the home run ball, seven starts to begin the year and he didn't allow a single home run. Now we're starting to see the scales uh, balance back a bit. I think there is some regression there as far as home runs per fly ball. Generally, you know, the, the percentage of fly balls that leave the yard is in the low teens. It's around 12% MLB average. Well, obviously, Cole was at zero for the first seven starts. None of the 38 fly balls he allowed were home runs. And now over these last five, he's given up the eight home runs. 24% of, of his fly balls have, have gone out, which that's a little too high, but it's just things bouncing out a little bit. You kind of meet in the middle there, and he's right around a home run per inning um, or a home run per start, rather. And that's Cole's always going to have that kind of vulnerability uh, with the home run ball, but like a lot of the greats that, you know, it's limiting the damage, you know, solo, a two run Homer uh, and for Cole, a little bit of regression there, just as far as the home runs go, he's still one of the top pitchers in the game. Hey, home runs in those four starts, the, uh, the spin rate is still high. The velocity's still there. He's, he's looking strong uh, breaking pitches. I'm going to focus on there with, with Garrett Cole. Um, this, this Yankee lineup, uh, clicking a lot better in the month of May as we close out the month. And as they are about to receive Giancarlo Stanton and Josh Donaldson back 
Uh, Monday night in Seattle, Harrison Bader pulled up a little lame with a, some hamstring tightness over at first base. He left the game. He's going for an MRI, so we don't know the extent here, but Harrison Bader obviously has the, the injury history. And uh, I'm wondering here, if he has to miss some time, maybe a short IL stint because it doesn't seem like it's serious. The team is downplaying it. You take that for whatever it's worth in, in the moment in time. But if, if Bader has to end up missing time, go back to uh, what we were talking about with Aaron Judge and the way he's been performing as a right fielder. Should the Yankees avoid playing Judge in center field if Bader has to go down to the IL? I don't know if they can. And, and also, I think Aaron Judge probably has a vote, or at least we know his opinion. He loves playing center field, so he may push the envelope a little bit, and he's earned the right to have a say. It's Aaron Judge. Uh, he's a great athlete. Ideally, you, you'd rather him be in right field, obviously, but it, I don't know if you can avoid it at this point. I mean, there's not a lot of options unless you reach down into the minor leagues and, say, give Estevan Floreal another shot. I'm not sure they're willing to do that because of his overall strikeout rate, even though he's having a banner season in AAA, and they'd have to do some roster uh, uh, maneuvers to, to get him back on the 40-man roster again, and then, you know that can be an issue for, for organizations in terms of depth. So I'm not sure they can avoid it unless you want to throw Greg Allen in center field or if you're, if you're willing to, to take some more chances, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, giving him a shot. Uh, but I, I don't see how you avoid at least part, uh, partially playing Aaron Judge in center field. I, th I think they should, depending on how long any absence might be. And, you know, we still uh, don't know. But I think it would be untenable to do, say, 74 starts in center field like judge had last year but if it's a shorter term thing yes if it's a couple of weeks and you have to move him over to center field for most of the starts i think that's fine i wouldn't want to do it something where it's longer term like for a huge chunk of the season because i think that would wear on him a little more but something something in a shorter spurt sure i think i, I put judge out there and, and tony you mentioned the impact that the loss of bader had on the cardinals well harrison bader we've seen it night in night out one of the best center fielders in baseball defensively and outs above average he's second among outfielders and outs above average even though he missed like a month so he's at plus five he's only trailing Luis robert jr and he shows pretty much every game that he makes a great play out there and you see his impact in the field and now at the plate because you know he was more of a league average hitter in in st louis and so far this year he's got a 118 ops plus one of the more valuable hitters on the team and it is not an accident that from the time he came back on May 2nd, this team really turned around. They are an MLB best 18 and eight since his 2023 debut on May 2nd. Yeah, since we're on the subject of Harrison Bader, I want to get Harrison Bader's little brother, Dan Work, into this chat as well. So while Dan steps to, uh, to the microphone, I just want to, I want to say that, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'd be smart to have Aaron Judge play center field like as much as he did before Bader made his season debut. Uh, I think the Yankees have Greg Allen for the exact role that he's in right now. If you can, you know, maybe rotate judge with Isaiah Kinder Falefa in center field, also spell judge with some DH days as a guy like John Carlos Stanton is coming back. The Yankees continue to say that once he is active, he will continue to get reps in the outfield. So if you can maybe have some type of rotation between center field and right field between IKF judge, 
and Stanton in the short term. If this is just a, you know, a small injury, not too much time missed for Bader, if at all. Again, he's getting an MRI the day that we're recording this. We could know results in a couple of days there. Um, I think this is something that's manageable for the Yankees. Dan, what do you think here, man? Yeah, well, first of all, just going off the eye test and my optimistic point of view, I'm hoping it's whatever it is, is quick for Bader because he didn't look too roughed up when he was walking off the field, seemed to be relatively okay. Um, But yeah, I think no doubt judge and center, especially if it is going to be a quick term, Eilston. I don't really get concerned about wear and tear all that much much with judge. I mean, I think most of us realize by now that a lot of his injuries are more so freak accidents. You know, obviously the hit by pitch in 18, he had the broken rib. And even this year at the... um, the hip. I mean, that was kind of a, a weird situation too. So I don't really worry too much about the injury with him. And obviously he can play it. Only downside is, I mean, I'd prefer judge splitting as little time as possible, just so he can finally get a gold glove in right field. Not that this is going to make <laughs> too big a difference, but that's kind of the only thing that worries me about it. But yeah, I hope Bader will be back quick. Maybe if it's only like a 10 day thing, I feel like that goes by in a blink. So I ain't going to stress it too much just yet, at least. Dan, you took in uh, your first Yankee game of the season this past homestead. Yeah, I did. And of course, it's the only game they lose out of the three game series. But oh, yeah. Okay. And I, you know, how you know how we're making, you know, the comparisons, especially like last year, once the Yankees got Harrison Bader, how like Dan work could, you know, is a lot like Harrison Bader. I think Harrison Bader is a lot like Dan work, actually, because uh, just for example, like we're in Seattle. Harrison Bader's like dressing the part. He shows up to the ballpark in like this grunge outfit on on Monday. He's got also like the big black uh bulky you know uh boots but like just just the whole grunge baggy pants look oversized shirt i feel like dan when you go to a certain you're very themed like you know when when the yankees get to october you wear the full uniform um i I feel like if you came to a city like seattle you would you would kind of do the same thing i would say harrison bader is me if i took the right path in life but you know i appreciate the uh i appreciate the the comparison because you know he's a good looking guy i'll take that i'll take that you know, maybe uh, if I get the mullet back, I'll look like him in the St. Louis days, finally be able to grow out a beard. I don't know. But I'll take it, Shaq. I'll take it. Yeah, you two are related. You just don't know it. <laughs> For sure. More Toe of the Slab is straight ahead. The baseball season, people, is in full swing. And whether you are rooting for the home team or betting on your favorite player, DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered for all of this season's action. Right now, new customers can place a $5 bet and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, Everyone can hit it out of the park with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Join the big league action now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app, sign up with the code SLAB, that's S-L-A-B, and new customers can bet just $5 and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code slab gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in massachusetts call 800-327-5050 or visit gambling helpline ma.org in new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny at 467-369 in kansas call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of boot hill casino and resort 21 and older in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources all right david uh just one one that- last one last point one last point yeah. since 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 we've got dan here and the, for the yankee for the yankee fan base that's clamoring to reach down for the martian right uh, to call up the martian put him in center field he's 20 years old he's in somerset we talked about esteban floreal 
who I kind of feel bad for, but it's a strikeout rate that's holding him back, even though he's having a great year otherwise in AAA, not on the roster. Jason Dominguez in double A, 207, 369, 400 triple slash line for a 769 OPS. But there are some under, if you look under the hood, he's uh, walked 36 times, only struck out 46 times. That's a real good trend looking forward for the 20 year old. 14 stolen bases, only two times caught stealing. He he got off to a really slow start. He's been much better as of late, still only 20 years old. Yeah, I don't think that's in the cards, even though people, you know, some of some of the avid Yankee fans who, you know, are clamor for, for the next superstar to get called up, the Martian, probably not going to happen, but he's doing okay for a 20-year-old in double-A. And, and uh, when you look under the hood, you can see why people get excited about him because of that strikeout and walk rate that he has. And you compare that to what Esteban Floreal has in triple-A. Esteban still over 30, 30 to 35% strikeout rate. That's that's the bugaboo for Floreal, uh, even though he's a great kid, great defender, great athlete. It's about the swing and miss in his game that that's probably held him back to this point. All right, here's a question I have. Um that, that just popped to my head based on what you were talking about, David, because for some of these uh, much hyped prospects, the, you know, you just gave through the stat line of Jason Dominguez and it's, it looks good. Like bottom line, it looks good. Batting average, not as high though. And I know batting average isn't something that a lot of teams pay attention to as much as they did in the past, but for a minor league prospect, shouldn't batting average be more important like shouldn't he be shouldn't the batting average always be high for a big time prospect with the other with the other numbers there well i think what happens at the major league level i think recently you take snapshots you got off to a really slow start and you look you look at a lot of things under the hood is exit velocity the quality of the contact but the most predictive statistics that they look at are walk and strikeout rate, both for hitters and pitchers. And that's what bodes well for Jason Dominguez, the Martian, as I said before, um, you know, almost one-to-one really. I mean, uh, 36 walks to, to 46 strikeouts to me moving forward, that bodes real well for a kid that's only 20 facing double a pitching. And a lot of people feel like double a, is a springboard even more so now than ever before because a lot of the AAA pitchers are journeymen or recycled or guys that are being uh, used for roster manipulation up and down like a Ryan Weber type that, that's on the Yankees, uh, that the real hard throwers, the prospects, are in AA. So he's, his average is much better lately over the last month or six weeks. He got off to a really slow start early. But when you look at all the numbers underneath the hood there, he's still he's still pretty good with speed, can play center field, He's still a five-tool player, and he's got seven home runs as well to go with that. So he's got power, he's got speed, and he doesn't strike out a lot, and he walks. So to me, that's that's the most important thing. And, yeah, of course, you want to see him get hits. Players need to get hits. It's a great point, Shaq. I mean, how many times do you see a player on any level hit a line drive and get caught, and they walk back to the dugout with their head down? You know, and then how many times do you see a player light up with their, the biggest smile in the world when they bloop one in or they hit a chopper and beat out a single to first base and they're on and you see the you see the look on their face. They're like, yeah, I got a hit. I got a hit. It's still important, Shaq. So, so yeah, I you know, your point is well taken. Yeah. I mean, all the numbers that you, you like every number, obviously the batting average, and there's plenty of time for that to creep up as well. Uh, just something that that I often think about with some some hyped up minor league prospects like. If they're, if everything else is going well, like wouldn't you want the batting average to be really high? high? Like wouldn't you want to pay attention to that? Like like Derek Jeter, the three sixty minor league hitter, 
you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you want something, you know, obviously over 300 would be great, but just something around there. I know we don't pay attention to the to the batting average as much as we used to, but it's just uh, still something that I, I think about with minor leaguers. Well, it, it depends. You know, so when, look, he hit 140 in April, so kind of like a pitcher who gets bombed in the first, you know, early in the season, it's going to take a while to get that ERA down. It's going to take a little while to get that batting average back up. But if you're a, if you're a high-power better on base guy you can live with the lower average you know it same and you mentioned coney the uh the estevan florial strikeout rate if you're striking out 30 35 percent of the time it's one thing if you're doing that if you're giancarlo stanton or shohei otani or joey gallo and you're still hitting your home runs great uh if you're if you're not doing that you can't carry that kind of strikeout rate dominguez with a 207 batting average in the minor leagues this year that doesn't look very good on the surface, but then you look at the on base and you say 369. Well, he just balanced that out right there. So you say, okay, this is one thing that's deficient, but he makes up for it. And then some with the, with the walks and, and his on base ability and the promising decrease in his strikeout rate with the increase in walk rate. And as Coney uh, got to, those are two of the stickier sort of stats that, that is, that is more skill-based than something that might, you know, be subject to the whims of batted balls or whatever with a, the high batting average on balls in play or a low batting average on balls in play. But the, it's, it's, an, it's an unusual slash line, the 207, 369, 400. But Dominguez is making it work. And I think we're a long way from seeing him in the Bronx. But if he's still on this upward trend and he earns a call up to AAA, maybe by the time we get to, say, September call up season, maybe he does earn a, earn a spot if there's still an outfield. Uh, question mark in New York and I think we're it's it's a long process and the the nature of fandom following these minor league guys more and more over the years following MLB pipeline and baseball America baseball perspectives these prospect lists it's a long process I hear you uh we still have a summer to go I think before you even entertain the thought of Jason Dominguez being up with the big league club but Brian Cashman at the very beginning of the season did not rule it out at all that we could see Dominguez at some point here in uh, 2023. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Make sure you tune into Sunday Night Baseball. Obviously, yes, we'll have the Friday night game, Yankees and Dodgers this weekend. That is one of many exciting series and pitching matchups that we're going to have around the game here this week. So that'll wrap it up for David Cohen, for James Smythe, for our great producer, Dan Work. This is Justin Shackle. We will talk to you next week on Tone of the Slab. Pitching with David Cohn, a production of John Boy Media. Take care, everybody.